Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. A little bit of a different setup. You, you know, those of you that are regular subscribers and you're watching this on YouTube, I've got my glasses on. I don't normally have my glasses on. And it was like, what's this behind you? Well, you know, we've got about eight inches of snow as we record this podcast. And your your boy here did not feel like trudging through the snow to his podcast studio. And so we're doing this a little bit differently. But the conversation is going to be worth staying for. And I have a powerful couple here with me this morning. Byron and Mariah Edgington, and they've just written a new book. They're going to tell us about it. They're going to tell us their story. This is going to be a podcast, I believe, that you're going to probably going to want to hit replay on a couple of times. We watch it again on YouTube. And so, again, it's an honor to have Byron and Mariah. You get a two-for-one, folks. You get a double. You, you, you not only get one guest voice, you get two guest voice. And I'm going to try not to mess this up too badly, but Byron and Mariah Edgington are joining me today on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Byron, Mariah, how are you guys today? We have never been better, and uh, thank you so much for your time and for having us on. And also, for getting our names exactly right. Well, you know, listen, if, if, if you can, I, I learned this, Byron. The first two years that I did public address for high school basketball, my son went to a Christian school in the area, and and the, the year that he was there, his freshman year, they had a prep basketball team. There was a young man from Poland that was on that team. There was a young man from uh, the Dominican Republic that was on that team. The second year, they had a young man from Russia on that team. They had a young man from uh, Belgium on that team. And so I got really good at learning how to pronounce names. In fact, they had a, a young man from the Netherlands on that team. And, and so, uh, yeah, you get really good at pronouncing. In fact, one of the young men he played basketball with is at Southern Illinois right now, and his last name is Verplanken. So when I would say that, I would go, his name is Steven Verplanken. I would say Steven Verplanken. Like the, like the Dutch might, like the roll that R. So, yeah, so, yeah, you... you 
Edgington is not a problem when you're used to saying Verplakin and Suhanif and Marambu and and Ivanovich and and so yeah that's not a problem at all so yeah and, and I love those kids that my son played basketball with but thank you yeah thank you guys for joining us this morning sounds like a very inclusive school that's well, it did. It did help that those kids could play basketball. That that was. You know, it, it did. It did help just a little bit. They, no, they were. They were all. Fan. In fact, we were the, the young man from Poland. Um, his name is Marek Ivanovich. I always said that one day I'm going to look up and I'm going to see Marek as the prime minister of Poland. That kid was that that gifted, that smart, that talented. So, yeah. So let's start here. And, and I've been starting here on every podcast and, and talking about this unusual time that we're in right now in in the midst of an ongoing pandemic that we're almost two years into. And so take me through, because I know what it's been like here in West Virginia. You guys are in Iowa. Vastly, you know, some similarities, but some differences as well too, obviously geographically. Take me through the last couple of years for you guys personally, professionally, what are a couple of lessons that you've drawn out of this time that once this is over, and I believe it will be over soon, that you will take from what you've learned that you'll carry on past the pandemic? Wow, that's a great question. Two years ago at this time, we lived in Colombia, South America. We were retired there, and my then 89-year-old mom lived alone in Iowa. And when the pandemic happened, she was very fearful. And I'm a registered nurse, and it would sadden me if my mother had succumbed to COVID alone here in the U.S. And I could have done something different about it. So in May 20, mm -hmm. we hopped on a humanitarian flight and returned to the U.S. And now the three of us live it's been a real gift to be able to be here for my mom and she did not develop COVID we're very fortunate our family has been very fortunate during the pandemic and Brian I'm really so glad that we have had this opportunity to support her and be here with her during this difficult time so for me it was a period of growth because you as a 60 year old woman, I don't feel like I was planning to have uh, my mom live with me, but <laughs> I am blessed to be I, able to support her in that way. Mariah, I've got to ask. So your mom is in Colombia, South America. No, no, she was here in Iowa. She was sure. there. Yeah, forgive me. So you guys were in, you guys were in South America. She was here. Yeah. Did, was there ever those heartstring moments like, you know, my mom's 89. Why am I so far away from her when I could be so close? Did you ever have those heartstring moments? And Byron, I, I want to kind of ask you this as well, too. How do you support as a husband? I, I know what I would do. I would say, you know, I would try to, to encourage my wife and comfort my wife and things like that. What were kind of some things that you were feeling as, as Mariah was kind of dealing with these these emotions she was feeling with with her mom being you know pushed you know not pushing 90 but getting close to 90 there's a global pandemic that's happening that is affecting elderly people you know that it, at that time it was really targeting elderly folks 
Byron, I want to get your perspective. How were you compartmentalizing and handling these things? And what were you doing to encourage Mariah during that time? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. Thanks for putting that out there. I uh, um, First of all, I, should, I, I need to tell you and your listeners, there's no daylight between us. You know, we, we consider ourselves a we instead of separate entities, if you will. Yeah. Um, but... Um, we knew, we knew it was the right thing to do, partly because, you know, an interesting, there's a parallel going on here because uh, we lived in Hawaii many years ago. We lived on the island of Kauai for three years. And while we were there, my father started going downhill and was in the last five or six months of his life. And Mariah said, let's move back to Columbus to be with your dad. And so we did. I mean, it wasn't even a question of whether I would go alone and she'd stay in Hawaii. It was never even a question. And so we have just always supported each other that way, even when it came to, you know, the big decisions like, you know, as we love living in Colombia, the temperature was absolutely perfect. <laughs> we loved the people of Colombia. They're the gentlest, most courteous people in the world. And we just really, we, we considered that to be home. But when the pandemic came along and Mariah's mom was alone and and she needed us there, we just, we packed up and went to Iowa and here we are, so. How big of a transition was that? Because again, a lot of people, you know, my, my family moved around some when I was a kid. And so I was kind of used to it, like, you know, okay. And, and when my wife and I got married, she had always lived really close you know we, her mom lives about a mile from where we live now she grew up out here where we live she had never moved away and I got an opportunity to take a job about an hour away and and it didn't it wasn't foreign for me but to her it was like moving to the to the moon you know it was yeah. it was it was moving far away from her support system things like that sure. when you guys think about the transitions that you've made and I'm fascinated because there was never a question. And, and I think some younger couples, and we kind of went through this, like, okay, is this the right move? Is this what we want to do? Is this how, where we want to go? You guys really never had any of that. You mentioned a moment ago, Byron, that the weather was great. The, the people were wonderful. Do you find yourself at times missing what you left behind? Or is it the, the overwhelming factor of, we're here where we need to be at this time of life because I, I think that's a maturity thing a lot of times. I think yeah, people, I think so the, the, the older you, and I'll be 50 in August, the, the, the older you get, you realize that, that settling and stability and doing the right things and, and just being where you need to be is, is a way more powerful attractant than, you know, having, doing, being. So, okay. you know, you know do, is, there, is there ever a moment where you think to yourself, man, I wonder what the weather would be like in Colombia. I wonder what things would be like today. Or do you just find yourself just saying, no, this is where we need to be right now for this season of our lives. Yeah, well, it would be pretty easy when it's minus eight Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah is, it would be pretty easy. There <laughs> is a saying in Spanish, which of course, neither one of us spoke Spanish, but we learned the language while we were there. And it's no mas nieve, 
And I used to say that frequently to yeah. people there, no mas nieve para mi, which means no more snow for me. But <laughs> as we can tell now, Brian, that's clearly untrue. Yeah. And the thing is, I think as people, we all have questions. We all would, it would be an untruth to say, no, you never look back and say, was yeah. that good or bad or anything? Well, we do know is that it was absolutely 100% the correct decision. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother doesn't go a day without thanking us for being here with her. And that's priceless. There is no money in the world that can replace that. Yeah. And so with that, the other thing that happened because of this is we became more grateful and more gracious about this. And so we started really doing more gratitude in and around that. And that's how our project now came about yeah. because we feel that we are so blessed to have what we have. And I know your listeners will resonate with this when you have gratitude in your life and we take advantage of all of that and put it towards good then that's when we can make a difference in the world. And so we have, we're working on a project that is for people who are overwhelmed and really feeling like their resources are running thin. Both Byron and I came from the medical background. He was an air medical pilot and I was a flight nurse. So we lifted people up for years and tried to help them in any way we could so this now allows us through our book and our writing and making a difference to so many people by lifting them up mariah i love what you said there because the thing about it is is that in 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 both of your careers when you got people on a a flight that you were on byron you're the you're piloting the the flight mariah you're aiding and assisting if a person's on that flight, nothing good is happening at that moment. Right. You know, there it's either a traumatic situation that has just happened, or maybe you're trying to life flight someone to a transplant situation where, where moments are critical. Did you ever think about how that training impacted you when you were making the different moves in your life? You mentioned being in Hawaii. Byron, your, your dad is, is, is not doing well. I, I got to tell you, Columbus, Ohio is nothing like Hawaii. And I've never <laughs> been to Hawaii, but I've been to Columbus a bunch of times. And Columbus is three hours from here. There is nothing similar about Columbus, Ohio and Hawaii. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of like that old saying, which of these things is not like the other? It's Columbus, Ohio, and it's Hawaii. But, but again, you got that opportunity. Your whole career and your whole life was making split-second decisions, making that – did you find and, – and with this move as well, did you guys find some of that background and training kind of kicking in when the moment was your mom, you started to see some things, maybe you would video chat with her or something? And, and I always find that fascinating because my wife's 98-year-old grandfather – we did some video chatting with him when he was alive and he was in assisted living and watching him talk, not through a, a phone that he'd had in his house that he would put on speaker so he could hear it and talk into it and hold it up to his ear. 
actually video chatting and I'm thinking to myself I wonder what he thinks of this technology that he can see his great-grandson but did the did the training that you guys had did it kick in in your decision making in those moments because some people would be like well we really have to think about this we really and, and to hear you guys talk about it you've made two major moves and you go there's no thought process to it we're just going to do it do you feel like your background and what you did before helped you with that decision making process yeah, that's a, that's a very good uh, point, Brian. And I guess my answer to that would start with awareness. You know, when we were flying medical patients, um, you have to be aware every second of the time what's going on with that patient. And in my case, I had to be aware of what the aircraft was doing, what the weather was doing. Yeah, you know, the, the great distances point, Byron. We had to go and in fact, that's one of the one of the topics, one of the themes in our book. Uh, I should bring up the title, I guess. Uh, the, the title of the book is Journey Well, You Are More Than Enough. And one of the main themes of that book is awareness because, you know, it, especially during this pandemic, we have learned that awareness is a critical um, advantage in, in a lot of situations. You know, and if we had just, blown this off and not paid any attention to what Mariah's mom was telling us. And, and when we zoom with her, um, you know, what she was saying and what she was not saying, but we, you know, and I'm not patting myself on the back here, but I think you're right. I think that training we had over a number of years in medical patients probably at least predisposed us to be more aware of what people were saying and, and maybe especially what they were not saying. Yeah. So I think there was a connection there. Yeah. Well, Byron, here, here's what, and, and Mariah, th this is, this is what I'm, I'm pulling out of, of this. And, and I think the, the audience will pull this out as well. There are times that, that we know what's right in front of us, right? You were talking about knowing your aircraft, knowing the weather conditions, which is which is probably more important than knowing the aircraft itself because the weather can change in a moment's notice and that's the great unknown that's the that's the variable that you probably can never plan for a hundred percent of the time and mariah you had to be focused on something happening in the moment maybe that patient's that patient was stable when they got on the aircraft maybe the blood pressure drops or something something is happening in in, in literally a split second and most people can do that most people can just pivot and go and, and i and i feel like you guys can do that and then some people are like well but we don't want to leave boy we just got settled here well, right. we just we just got we just got here and doggone it you know can't mom see that we just want to live our best life you know or, or dad the same way and you guys are wearing a couple here's what strikes me and here's why i want to go real quick and then we'll step aside and take a break I find it fascinating. You work hard all your life. You're in a you're in a high stress, high performance. You both are in high stress, high performance careers. You go to these destination places, and you just want to take some time and settle down <laughs> and just just exhale. Yeah. And then life says there's another challenge that 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 you guys and you've done this all your life you've responded to challenges all your life 
how do you keep yourself and 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 when we come when we after we come back from break we'll dive into this a little more but i want to set this up this way how do you push back those emotions of can't we just settle here for a minute and just just exhale do we always have to keep responding to challenges did you ever find times byron with your dad mariah with your mom did you ever find those times that those emotions of can't we just stay here a little longer did those creep up and how did you kind of beat those back and say but the right thing to do is to do what we we need to do good point how did you beat those back how did you beat those emotions back? That is a very great question, Brian, because it... Thank you, Mariah. Like, I try. I really yeah. do try. <laughs> that, it is. It's yeah. really insightful because one thing that we do know, after there's an awareness that there is a choice. And we had the opportunity to make a choice either way. So it's in the decisions that you make from that awareness that really comes down to it now i know a lot of your audience would resonate with this about being very prayerful about that and being and taking that to a higher level and i believe that when you are in tune with your own belief system and you can put faith in that and knowing that your choices are there and that they will become clear to you your decision that you make will become obvious. And for us, both with mom and dad, those were really easy decisions. Now, not in and around the, the all the things that we had to do because we've purchased things just like everybody else, but we've given them away. And the interesting thing is each time we moved, we watched as we gave away things to people and we knew that those were people we were giving our possessions to who needed them. And so not only were we able to do the right thing for our parents, we also made an impact on the community around yeah. us. And each time we did that, an interesting thing happened. More came back to us More. after we <laughs> landed where we were supposed to be. Well, that's not an accident. I mean, again, no. because here, here's what I'll get, and, and, and I promise we will take a, just a short break, but, but here's where I want to, to, to lead us to in this next segment is the impact. You know, you mentioned that people needed those things. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that every time that, that that person either looked at, touched, or felt that item, it reminded them of you. Mm -hmm. And so your impact continues to live on yeah. through the things that you gave away in every place. And, and that's, the, that's the whole goal of life mm -hmm. is, is to leave a piece of yourself at every stop on the road of life that you, that you, that you are on to, to do that. And, and it's a great place for us to, to step aside and take a break. My guest today are the authors of the book journey well you are more than enough when we come back mariah said something that i want to jive just a little bit deeper on the opportunity that comes with making a choice and i think a lot of people here's why i want to dive into that 
well let's step aside take a break and then we'll we'll do that i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but it's but we'll do that byron and mariah edgington my guest on the intentional encourage podcast back in just a moment Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us, and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt, or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car. Whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year, let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for Profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. When we, Byron, Mariah, when we, before we went to break, we, we were talking about Mariah, you said the opportunity of having a choice. I love that. That is so beautifully framed. You mentioned as well, too, you had so much to do with each time that, that life presented you with that choice, that opportunity, and you had things to do. From a logistical standpoint, I would think logistics would be right in your guys' wheelhouse because you've made moves and even in your career. And I keep going back to the career because I think there's a lot of things that, that training taught you guys that, that life probably couldn't just because uh, the ability of – and Byron, I, I think about – I've never flown an airplane, but I, I would have to think that you would have to be – one of your tools of training would have to be you have to be really good at logistics. You have to know where to land the plane. You have to know where to fly in and out of. You have to have awareness of the area. So I would think logistics would have to be a, a top training tool. And Mariah, the same thing. I have to know where things are in my workspace because I need, in a, in a moment's notice, I may need to grab something. I may have a, a patient that is going into cardiac arrest. I need to know where those paddles are so I can shock them if I need to or the defibrillator. And so logistically, I would think you guys would have to be very seasoned at it. When you think about the opportunity of the journey, and I want to go here for just a second, was there ever a thought of can we make a different choice? Because I love the perspective that you guys had of, well, this is what we're going to do because it's the right thing to do. But you also said the opportunity of having a choice. And I asked about those emotions a moment ago and beating that back. Was there a moment where you said to yourself, why do we have to make this choice? And here's why I want to go with that. Because I think along the journey of life, when a, when a hard decision comes to folks, 
there is that seminal moment, and I've said this in my life where I've where I've 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 even prayed and said, Lord, why do I get to do this? Why do I have to make this choice? Why can't things just be smooth sailing? You know, Byron, why can't there be perfect flying conditions every? You know, why can't in this moment there be perfect flying conditions? Mm -hmm. Take me through the last couple of years. Let, let's pivot and go here. Here's where I want to go. And forgive me for kind of moving in some different directions. What have you learned through this this couple of years about the choice you made to come back to to come back to Iowa and care for your mom and and give me the impact it's made on you? Forget the impact on other people. You've talked about that. What is this impact made on the two of you? You want to take that one? Me? I can certainly, yeah. I don't yeah. care who takes it. I mean, you both are here. Just go, whoever wants to talk. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me let me preface this just a little bit by uh, talking about my aviation career again. Um, we we I, I guess I could speak for Mariah here. Um, when I was making those choices, seriously, Brian, one of the underlying things that I always kept in mind was, I am so privileged to be able to be here for this person. I flew a helicopter in Vietnam for a year and I, I was very ambivalent about my service over there and about the war itself. But at the end of the day, that service and that uh, training, it gave me a career that I never would have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a day went by as in 20 years, I flew a helicopter at the hospital here in Iowa City. And in that time, I flew 3,200 patient missions. And every single one of those flights, I was just grateful for the opportunity to be able to be there and to help those people when they needed it the most. And I think Mariah would say the same thing. So it wasn't a question, you know, every once in a while you'd say, well, you know, really, do I have to do that? Well, yeah, you get to do this. That's the point. I love that perspective, Byron, because here here's the thing that I would say, and and I was telling you guys before we started recording, I was watching the Iowa-Kentucky bowl game that they played, yeah. and it struck me that during the third quarter of that game, there was a moment, and, and the TV crew had come out of the timeout, and they're panning to the Iowa crowd, who's who is it, and I, I believe they were playing at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And yeah. there was a moment in that game where the Iowa crowd just began waving. Oh, sure. Yeah. They began waving. And the tradition at, at, at the University of Iowa football games is that mm -hmm. the, there, there are, they have a children's hospital in Iowa City. And, and there are children that, that can see into the stadium from the rooms that they have. And it's something that, that the, the people at the, at the Iowa Children's Hospital are intentional about making sure that at Iowa home football games that they can they can see some of the game and the fans in mass you know 70 75,000 fans at a point in the game will just begin waving to the kids and that to your point yeah and, and yeah it happens every game and Byron to your point about that there is a moment of gratitude that is that that is transferred between fan and ch and children, mm -hmm. children and fans. It, it becomes an emotional thing. The kids, 
they they'll 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 get the camera as close as they can and you see these little kids with their with their golden black t-shirts on and they're just grinning from ear to ear because people are waving at them and for a moment they are in essence celebrities to 70 or 75,000 people and in that same moment you 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 see the wave of emotions from the crowd toward those children like I, I wish those kids didn't have to be in that hospital I wish they didn't and, and so the gratitude and I love what you said there about getting to do that I want to go here for just a minute can you guys take me to a and I'm sure you've got moments you know you you make 3200 flights I'm sure there are flights that stick out to you mm. when was that moment Byron for you that you that you first felt that that overwhelming sense of gratitude and how did you keep it going for 32 because again forgive me for the long-winded question but when you do something day in and day out it just becomes routine to you it just you know okay I'm going to work we've got this we, we may have three flights today when did you first sense that moment of gratitude and how did you keep it fostered within you through all those flights over 20 years day in and day out because that's really hard to do yeah is that okay if i yeah please yeah. Yeah, okay let me tell you I'm, i didn't mean to interrupt i didn't mean to, to no, leave mariah no, out no, of it but, but but yeah it just uh i'm just interested in byron what you said about the gratitude piece there it's yeah. it just it that really is is resonating with me yeah well, let me let me tell you a quick story, and I obviously I'm not allowed to reveal particulars about this patient, but uh, the first winter I flew in Iowa, um, we got a call one night to go up north, almost to the Minnesota border. A young young kid, a seven year old, had fallen in a grain auger, and he had been beat up by this grain auger, oh. and he lost a lot of blood. He had a lot of orthopedic injuries. And uh, he wasn't expected to live through the night. And we went and picked him up and brought him back to Iowa City. And, you know, I kind of get choked up when I talk about this kid. Three weeks later, I watched him walk out of the hospital with his parents. And he wasn't expected to live that night. You know, and so anytime you can be involved in a thing like that, even as my very minor role, I flew the kid back, you know, to the hospital. That's all I did. But just to see what happened to him and watch him go home with his parents that, that, that day, it just made all the other, whatever, whatever peripheral, you know, minor stuff, it just made it all go away. And I realized this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I can, I am allowed to help these people every time I come to work. And, you know, I can see that kid now on that night in that tiny little hospital up in that little tiny town. And I had the chance to help him and his parents. And there's just nothing like that. There's nothing like that in life. Well, and again, I love that that story because, and I've told my, my 21-year-old son and things like that, you never know the person you help, mm -hmm. what they become later in life you know that young man could have could have become a ceo of a company he could have you know been a been an iowa state center he could have been the governor of iowa could have been anything and and had you not just 
said to yourself, I've got a job to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. To, you and Mariah both to do it to the best of your abilities. You never know how you change the trajectory of a lot of people's lives around it, that, that, that saving that boy's life impacted. I've got to ask you this before we take another break and we get into deeper into your story. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the book. What's the single biggest piece of intentional encouragement that you have in the book that when folks read it, they go, wow, this is, this is it. This is it. Take me, take me into that real quick and forgive me for not diving a little bit deeper. I've been, you guys have just, it's been fascinating just looking at the different perspectives of life that you guys have to offer. But one piece of intentional encouragement from your book. Okay. That you just segued into it perfectly because you said that you never know what somebody's going to become. And by being where he was that situation at that time, that young child went on to become whatever they ended up being, just like you mentioned. And the interesting thing is with the book, we're saying that starting right at this very moment of your life, if you have had things that really were even big missteps, even things that you're not proud of, things that are, oh, I shouldn't have done that. There is no changing it. And we all know that. And so instead of continuing to drag that baggage along with you, continuing to beat yourself up for those mistakes that you've made in your life, for the things that have not gone like you planned or even anyone would want, to take lessons from those. Take opportunities to go ahead and put that behind you and know that by loving yourself and by being the best person you can be in gratitude moving forward, using those as building blocks to help give a hand up to somebody who maybe was making those same mistakes that you made, but now yeah. you have put those behind you. You've used that as fertilizer yep. <laughs> for a beautiful yeah, garden right. to the future. And when we can come with love for ourselves, with gratitude, with respect, and bring that to other people, Brian, that's when the magic happens. When we're able to help others and serve in that way, starting from today. Yeah. Maybe yesterday wasn't good. And let's not hold that against people. Let's teach them how to use those in the benefit of others. Well, those teachable moments, Mariah, you're you're 100% right, and I love that perspective. Let's step aside and take a break. I want to take a break here now because I want to save room for more of your and Byron's story. And I've got a question I want to ask when we come back from break that I'm fascinated by, what you guys did in your career and in life. Byron mentioned it before the in this, in this previous segment, flying in Vietnam. So I want to get into that, you know, their career together working side by side. My guests, the authors of the book, Journey Well, You Are More Than Enough, Byron and Mariah Edgington. Back in a moment with more powerful conversation here on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Hey, 
everybody, Brian Sexton. I want to take a moment and tell you about my friend Harry Spate and his new book, Selling with Dignity. Harry has taken an age-old concept of sales, and he's put a new twist to it, and I love the direction that he's taken with Selling with Dignity. And here's what's encouraging about Harry's book. Instead of viewing people as numbers and machines, salespeople are now given the tools and the encouragement to be dignified in their approach. Here's what Harry says. He says, selling is an honorable profession when it's done right. When sellers feel they're valuable and have integrity and respect, this opens the door for better conversations and eventually relationship. This book puts an end to sleazy sales tactics and proves why selling with dignity can be done and it leads to massive success. And I couldn't agree more. Go to sellingwithdignity.com, get your copy today. And if you want Harry to sign it, he'll do that for you. Again, go to sellingwithdignity.com and pick up your copy today of the new book by Harry Spate, Selling with Dignity. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Byron Mariah, before the break, we were talking about this. And, and here's something that came to mind. And Byron, I, if you don't mind, and you both can answer, I, I, I am fascinated by this. Is Was there ever a time in your careers together that you felt the pressure to be perfect? Because here is what, here's, here's what I'm thinking as I'm kind of putting myself in the moment. I, and I believe the audience is doing the same thing. I can imagine myself looking into this this aircraft, equipped to handle any type of emergency. And you just mentioned the first flight you had in Iowa, and that was so powerful. And I could just imagine the emotions. But I can also imagine, too, with life hanging in the balance, the pressure to be perfect, both for you and Mariah. How were you guys able to compartmentalize that and just say, we're going to do the best we can do it may not be perfect. It may not be 100%, but we're going to give it the best that we can do. How do you avoid thinking that every mission has to be perfect in what you guys were doing? Because, again, the weather is not your friend. The aircraft sometimes has got a mind of its own. How, how do you that's, – that's, that's, that's what's continuing to resonate with me. How do you keep yourself from thinking that everything has to be perfect when you know it can't be? Yeah, that's, I think your story in the book about the weather and how that affected mm -hmm. your ability. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of it, of course, is preparation. You know, and in aviation, and well, in medicine too, for that matter, uh, you can't eliminate risk. You always have to have to plan for it and you can minimize it as much as possible, but you can't eliminate it. And so a lot of it is preparation. Um, but you're right, you have to, at some point you have to realize that you do the best you can. Um, perfection is, 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 I mean, at least elusive, if not impossible. And you have to be able to, because there were flights, there were a number of flights where you know, quite frankly, a lot of patients didn't make it. A lot of patients died. And, you know, we didn't we didn't go out in the helicopter for people with a hangnail. You know, if we flew these patients, they were sick people. Yeah. And so you had to learn to live with uh, those kind of outcomes that uh, that were not going to be what you want, certainly. And 
And uh, but you had to just convince yourself that you're doing the best you can. The other side of that whole thing, Brian, is that we we reinforced each other a lot because I saw these nurses <laughs> um, doing the best they could, and and I realized how how professionally and clinically excellent they were. And so it, it bumped my game up too, you know, and, and I like to think that my expertise helped them as well. So we played off each other. And, uh, but even so, I think we all realized that perfection is just not possible and that uh, you, you just, you learn to cherish those missions that went just as well as you expected they should, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. the way they had to look at it. Mariah, I've got to ask you this, and, and I so want to get into your story, but there's a real part of me that's tugging to ask these questions. So I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with where where I'm feeling the conversation in the moment. You are trying to help this person, but your husband is in the cockpit. How how do you? And, and maybe there were times, Byron, where you got in the cockpit and, and you were feeling that stress. You were feeling that that weight. Mariah, how do you compartmentalize it when you're when you're you're the person you die for is up there and they're going through some of those same things? But you've got to be focused in the moment. You've got to help that person. How do you compartmentalize that? Because there are times that and I'll share this with you. And, and, and I know it's not a great analogy, but it's the best I've got in the moment. When I'm at church and I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the platform, I'm playing the keyboard, I find myself looking for my wife. My wife and I have been married 25 years. I'm looking for my wife. If she leaves, I want to know what's going on, but I've got to be focused in the moment because I can't just get up and go, all right, guys, I'm out. I got to see what's going on with my wife. You know, it, you know, the, the music has to keep, you know, the, it, it, like the Titanic, the band has to keep playing, you know, as, sure. and things like that. But, but how, Mariah, how, how do you compartmentalize that? How do you, cause I'm trying to put myself in that moment. Cause I know if that were my spouse, if something was going on, my first thought would be to them instead of who I've got to help. How do you compartmentalize that? Or how did you compartmentalize that? That is a really interesting question because when we think about situations, we know the more prepared you are, the more you're able to handle the unexpected. And because of that, each time we went out and we didn't know exactly how it was gonna go down, we leaned on our preparation that we had previously gained. So when I'd come in and I took care of micro babies, I did neonatal pediatric transport. And so I was so laser focused on their condition because I knew how quickly it could deteriorate that I was fortunate. It didn't matter which pilot I was with. I knew that they were going to take care of the flight. I got to ask you this. You, you, th that is so, that is so incredible because you're also a mom. You're a mom and you're, 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 you're yeah. someone's, someone's baby, yeah. the the micro baby, as you call it. My, our son was 35 weeks, born at 35 okay. weeks. So again, I, I understand preemie. I don't understand that, that, that's, that is, that, that is way, yes, that's, yeah. that's way preemie. That's yeah. way preemie. You're a mom, you're a wife, whether, whether Byron's flying or he may be flying somewhere else and you're on a different aircraft, just from the, from the look of the draw. 
again, I am fascinated how you stayed in the moment. Because I, I know me, my mind would be 1,500 different places. That's yeah. just kind of the way that I'm wired. It's not that I'm not focused in that moment, but I've got so many thoughts bouncing around in my head. How You talked about the value of preparation. Let's talk about the emotional preparation. How do you keep your emotions present and aware in that particular moment when as a mother – you know what that mother is thinking, whether they're on that flight with you or right. not. You know what that mom is thinking. You That's know true. the fears. You know the you know the 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 questions. You know the uncertainty. How do you keep all that in check in that moment? Yeah, and I think that's true with any flight crew that you get or any emergency personnel because when we go to any situation, you can even take paramedics and firefighters and they they can put themselves right in, that could be their family too. And it's a separation, it's an absolute separation. You really focus on what you're doing and who you're there to serve at that moment because it you know you're with someone else's child so you want that child or that person that you're working with to get the best care they can no matter what and so when you can focus in on each person being so critically important and knowing that every life every person in the world has value it might be buried under a lot of things and they might not be somebody that people would say, oh, they're worthy of something, but you let that go. And you know that that, as you would say, that's God's child yeah. that you're taking care of right this moment. And that's where your focus goes because that is your honor to serve at that moment. Byron, I've got to ask you this and I want to direct the question, this, this to you because you said something a few minutes ago that really resonated with me. And you both are saying things, and my, my, my brain, my tiny mind is just bouncing and pinging all over the place. But, Byron, you said something a few minutes ago about Vietnam. And first of all, I went from this audience to you. Thank you for your service to our country. We, we are grateful to you that you, you went and served all those many years ago. And, and again, as, as time marches on, you know, we, we, we tend to lose perspective of that error in our country. That's just that's just my, my opinion. I want to know what lesson you took from service to your country that carried with you to public service. Aside from the training, aside from the difficulty, because I can only imagine, and, I, and I've studied Vietnam, I've studied the Vietnam War, that, that to me... Uh, as I studied history, that was what I centered in on, was was studying, and, and I've done a lot of study on the Vietnam War, because it, it resonated. I was born in 1972, so I was born as that war was going on. Yeah. What did you take from your time there that carried into your service in serving others as a, as a medical pilot? Yeah, good question. Thanks for that. Um... I guess it's, I don't want to get into the politics of it. You know, I'm not going to do that. Absolutely. No, I, I, I no that, that, I don't want to go into that part of it yeah. as well, too, because that, that is so far gone. There's yeah. nothing that yeah. can be done to change it, and there's nothing right. that right. can, yeah. No, but, but I guess the, the upshot of, of what I'm going to say is that um, most of us, I can't speak for all of them, of course, 
But we realized when we got to Vietnam, most of us realized that we were in a lost cause, that we were not going to win that war. And we had, so what that did, the positive uh, effect of that was we knew we were in there to take care of each other and to get as many of our colleagues and many of our, our friends out of there alive as we could. That was our, at least it was my focus. And so that translates perfectly to my civilian job. You know, I just, I looked at every one of those patients as they deserve every ounce of my awareness and my expertise and whatever I can do to make the outcome of this flight, you know, what this patient would desire, that's what I'm going to do. And I think you're right. And, and there's a connection there. I think, you know, when we were in Vietnam, when I flew to Huey in Vietnam, um, it didn't matter what the weather was. It didn't matter what the enemy situation was. If there were guys on the ground that needed me to go get them, I went and got them. Yeah. I didn't give it a second thought. That was my job. It was my, actually looking back on it, it was my honor at that point to be available for them. And that's the, uh, the mentality that I used in my civilian job as well. I, I love that. That's a term we don't use enough when we talk about people that serve is, is the, is the honor that we should, that we need to give them. And I've heard, and listen, I, I don't want to get political here as well, but we've heard so many people be called heroes through the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And a hero can take on many different shapes, forms, and sizes, you know, um, helping someone across helping someone that needs help across the street to me is yeah. heroic you know um picking up somebody that's stranded or helping somebody stranded along the side of the road that's heroic you know it doesn't have to be saving somebody's life it could just be assisting in a moment that's a tough spot for that other person but i am fascinated because again Byron, what, what continues to fascinate me about you and Mariah both is the things that you've seen in your lives and the things that you've experienced and the perspective that you can put those things into, to me, is incredible. Because for some people, Byron, and, and you know this very well, being a, being a veteran, some people came back from Vietnam and they never left Vietnam. They never left the war. They It was always with them. I had an uncle that went to Vietnam and, and suffered for many years because of what he brought back from Vietnam. He was never able to leave it there. Yeah. You know, what, what you two have seen together in, in the service of other people, I would have to think it would be incredibly hard to leave it there. But you guys seem to have done that beautifully. I would be remiss if I didn't pick your brains on something because it is beautiful and powerful. And I, I, I have been riveted from the minute we hit record on this conversation. You guys have just been incredible. But I do want to be respectful of your time and the audience's time. And that is this, is that in those moments that you're going through those difficult things, I want you to share one piece of intentional encouragement that helped you guys through some difficult moments where, Byron, to your point, that patient didn't make it. Mariah, you did everything that you could have, humanly possible, to 
to aid that. You, you used every trick in the book, so to speak. And I, I don't mean that in that way, but you, you pulled out all the stops. You did everything you knew to do, and, and the outcome just wasn't there. Maybe there are people that aren't in those life and death situations, but maybe they own a business. Maybe maybe they're maybe they're trying to deal with a loved one. They've done everything that they know to do, and the outcome still isn't there. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for those folks? Well, that one really does speak from where we are right now, and that is one of the reasons we decided this book needed to be published now was because there's a lot of people who are in that situation where they still have oh my goodness, why did I not do that? Why did I have that happen? And it becomes an inner critic, Brian, where they just hear that negative voice over and over and over. I should have done that. I could have done that. Why should have I? What was I thinking? And we go back to that same thought that there is not anything we can do about the past other than gain and harvest the gems from that and bring what we know now, our new knowledge from that forward. By doing that, we're able to build ourselves up and then we're able to reach out to others and help them. And that is the best lesson that I have personally learned from my past where I've had situations. I could continue to beat myself up for what I thought, oh, I should have known that I could have done this, or maybe yeah. I should have used that drug instead of that drug in a critical situation. But instead, I've allowed myself the grace to know that we are all human. And no matter what is in our past, if we go forward as a different person, as a person of love and kindness and respect and gratitude for what we do have and for others, that changes our life and it changes the lives of those around us. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we're really fortunate because we both have that kind of an energy and a love and respect for human life. And we know there's so many people out there right now who need to hear that message of hope and of love and respect to know that their life is worthy of living, that yeah. they are worth life. And that's, that's important. Yeah. I'd be remiss. How long have you guys been together? Forever. <laughs> yeah. That's because she is much younger than you are, Byron. Did you did yeah. you did you marry her when she was five? Is that what yeah, happened? That's it. That's you have a West Virginia marriage where you you have child bride. You know, I won't. I wouldn't touch that with. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I live here, so I can I can. Yeah, yeah. You, know. you can say that, right? That's yeah. right. I love yeah. that. You know, it's Fort fun. Dwell. You know, yeah. Years ago, I mean, you know, uh, my my parents got married when they were. 18 and 16. My mom was 16 yeah. when she married wow. my dad, you sure. know, and you know, I, I knew I, we have a good friend of ours. She married her husband when she was 14, but you know, again, that's, I mean, yeah. well, you know, that wasn't it, the yeah. situation for us. No, We've been married that. 261 months. We celebrate every month because our relationship that's is right. so important to us that my love for Byron just grows every yeah. day. Yeah. And True I story. can't do math that fast. So, you know, it's, okay. yeah. We're, yeah. we're almost, uh, we're going it'll, on 22 it'll, years. It'll soon be 22 years. That's, yeah. that's 22 wonderful. 22 years in March. Yeah. That's wonderful. 
And, and again, the, the, I have enjoyed every minute of this conversation. Tell folks where they can get your book, how they can connect with you guys. I'm sure people, listen, if you're watching on YouTube, how could you not fall in love with Byron and Mariah? How could you not just, just go, I got to connect with these folks. So tell folks how they can find your book and connect with you. Yeah, the title is Journey Well, You Are More Than Enough. And it's on Amazon yeah. and it'll be at our website. Yeah, and it, it's, um, when are we doing the podcast that we, because the book will be out probably yeah, the end of February. Speak, it's, tell it's, me your web, tell me, tell me your website. <laughs> so we can. Yeah. It's MariahEdgington.com. MariahEdgington.com. And I'm going to spell that for you, for you folks. Mariah spelled M-A-R-I-A-H Edgington, E-D-G-I-N-G-T-O-N, MariahEdgington.com. You guys have just been absolutely incredible. Byron, connect with Byron on LinkedIn as I'm connected with Byron on LinkedIn. Connect with Mariah on LinkedIn as I'm connected with Mariah on LinkedIn. You guys are going to want to connect with these folks. What a powerful conversation. I'm grateful for it. Thank you, both Thank you. Byron and Thank Mariah so Edgington, much, for joining it's me on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Thank you. Journey well. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.